Welcome to episode 55 of the Daz and Daz NBA podcast. I'm joined once again by Darren Hill. And Darren, unfortunately, we've been away a little bit. I've been without internet for the last week. You don't realise how much you miss internet, uh, particularly when it cuts out five minutes before the NBA draft starts. Um, <laughs> how did you used to follow the NBA before in- internet? Like, it would have been a bit easier, I guess, growing up in the US, uh, following yeah. the news. Yeah, and you'd be pretty much glued to um, glued to ESPN. That's really it. You literally would have it on 24 hours a day and wait for the... Uh, and then wait for the sports center, right? You'd watch the draft, and then if your team did well or it was really exciting, you sat around and, and watched all the analysis after it. But, yeah, that was it. It was just ESPN. That was pretty much all. But now we can, yeah, we got all kinds of ways to consume it, don't we? But you missed it, didn't you? You were off the grid, huh? I was off the grid until uh, Friday, so just before uh, free agency kicked off. Uh, fortunately, it came back on for me. So at least, I mean, obviously, I was following on my phone to, to the extent that you can. Um, but uh, yeah, once once it came back on, obviously, everything kicked off pretty quickly. We had some some big signings straight away, and obviously, the big news though, does has dropped today, and the NBA landscape changes yet again as LeBron James for the uh, what is it now the fourth time in his career, or they've three franchises, but uh, fourth different team if you like uh he's now gone to the la lakers does i mean what obviously we we expected this to some extent i mean I, I think the thing that surprised me was the fact that he signed there for four years so this is if not till the end of his career and i still think there may be one more stint in cleveland to come because he has said in the past he wanted to finish his career in cleveland so that's i guess still on the cards to some extent and maybe they win yet another draft lottery in five years time and take his son in, in the nba draft as that's probably what they're going to hang their hats on from here the cavaliers fans but how surprised were you when you heard the news and then i guess saw the details of the contract uh, not surprised at all. I think this has been the lead horse for quite a while, right? I think, um, to be fair, the boys at the Ring chronicled um, what's become now a common phrase. They chronicled the breadcrumbs. Um, the most telling was, you know, things like uh, when he couldn't get a contract last year. Remember, KCP suddenly gets a one-year, twenty-four million dollar haymaker of a deal. Obviously, KCP very close, a Rich Paul client, close to to LeBron. All through to that, and then again everything through this season. When we talked about at the trade deadline, it was it was not lost on us. I think others pointed out as well the the um, uh, I, I forgot how you'd label it, right? The not irony, but the sort of twisted irony of the trade deadline deals that freed up all this cap space, sending Jordan Clarkson, Larry Nance, and and in return getting a pick, right? Mm. Um, Crowder, I think, got moved on to do a third team, and and Mo Wagner was taken there in the, in the end of the first round. So, you know, in an effort, quote unquote, to help LeBron, you know, make a run last year, he basically engineered cap uh, cap clearing a trade with with the Lakers. And again, that's that's not by accident. If you ask me, through to the tampering of mad, you know, Magic's tampering and tinkering and whispering for the last you know little while so definitely not a surprise um i think all the conversation we had around um you know where else might be possible i guess cleveland was probably emerging as the really sad you know return chapter but i never ever thought that he was it was at all possible 
I'll just so stop you this, there for a second. I, yeah, I thought it was possible for one year. I thought if Lakers mm. can't get their act together, does LeBron want to go, you know what, let's go back one year, let's see if I can do it 10 years in a row. Because like, that would be something yeah. that really hang his hat on. And I think if he goes to Philly and does it, it's a little bit like it, it, it really does become empty. If he had gone back to Cleveland and led them to the finals yet again, then you can then that's something to really hang his hat on. And then you can go to LA when they've got cap space and they can maybe build a team around him. I didn't expect that necessarily to happen, but as the days wore on and it became clear that Paul George wasn't going to the Lakers, they're probably not going to get Kawhi in the trade, or that, or they will. We'll see how that plays out. I still don't think that necessarily will happen. Um, I could, I saw a pathway for him to go back to Cleveland, okay. and I don't think personally he necessarily completely ruled it out. I, I think he was probably ninety percent. Lakers, but left himself a possibility to maybe a Philly or maybe to stay in Cleveland. That that seems to be the three teams, although, although Houston were named as well as a team he was considering. I guess I did. I didn't see it, so I, I can see how you could get that. I ever since David Griffin got um, ran out of town, um, and then Altman installed, and then the complete debacle that was the Irving trade. And then the Isaiah Thomas stuff, and then all the trade deadline stuff, and just I just when I'm looking, I'm LeBron, and I'm looking around, and I go, I don't, I don't bloody believe this baby GM. Um, look at my teammates. Look what happened to me, you know, in the playoffs. And I just thought there's there's zero, there's not literally not not a little bit. There's nothing. There's nothing in the front office that inspires him. There's no teammate that inspires him. So I thought a legacy lever like LeBron is just I never saw. Cleveland as even a remote possibility because he's in he's in legacy mindset and he proved the entire planet and himself that he's still at the peak of his powers and thought I just there's no way he's going to sit and just ride out a year just waiting for for the for guys to come so but anyway that, be that as may here he is in L A and he's already added a couple of running mates. In, well, that was going to be my next fun. question. I mean, <laughs> how does he approach this year now? Because the running mates he added are uh, uh, underwhelming to my mind, to say the least. I mean, KCP, okay, 3-and-D guy. The rich man's Shumpert. He'll be okay next to LeBron. Lance Stevenson, who he's had run-ins with in the past, and we know Lance is trick-or-treat. Like, you just never quite know what you're going to get out of Lance. He'll have some moments in, in off the bench and things like that, you'd imagine. But... There's a reason he's never excelled anywhere outside of Indiana, and I'm not sure being in the pressure cooker with LeBron James is going to suit him. And, of course, JaVale McGee, well, that's just a throw-in, although they don't necessarily have a centre at the moment with Brook Lopez out there in, in for agency either, and who knows yeah. if, if, if they bring him back. So not the most overwhelming signings. The words coming out is he, he's reasonably happy with the roster the way it is. He said, I, I don't need you to sign another superstar. It, it seems more likely they're going to keep their power to drive for uh, 2019 for agency and we'll, we'll sort of discuss that as this pod goes on and we discuss for agency because a lot of teams seem to be taking that tact where there's going to be a lot more for agents. A lot of teams are going to have cap space and obviously LeBron can go out and lead the recruiting efforts and that is a massive feather in uh, the Lakers cap. But he- assuming this team stays about the same as it is nowadays, what's your expectation of how LeBron approaches uh, next season? That's a great question. So uh, I'll, I'll bite on the assumption. I don't think we're there yet. Look, I, I think we're probably – let's put Kawhi aside for the minute because I still think there's a possibility he ends up there this this offseason, although it's looking less 
less and less likely. Um, so put that aside to them, and if we, if he just sort of add mid-level pieces around him, um, what a, the fact that he signed a four-year deal as well, right? I think now LeBron is ready to probably think about um, starting the process of what happens after his playing days. What is that? What do I mean by that? Is I think the first approach is I don't. I think you've seen the last of LeBron playing 82 games. So I think LeBron's going to look after himself. Um, even better. So I, I think you might see him play 70 and a very comfortable and conscious, you know, um, 12 games of rest he'll take this year. And I would no doubt he might even skip an occasional road trip, say down to, you know, lowly Phoenix or up to lowly Sacramento. So it's say, a, you know, three or four game homestand that has a game going up to, you know, to Utah or to Phoenix or Sacramento that gives him, you know, an extra four or five days with the family. I think we're going to see that. So I think he's going he's gonna to play, you know, uh, he's going to play fewer games and he'll play fewer minutes. I think he's going to also start to embrace, if indeed this is true and he's there for the long term, I think he's going to set about, right, build, rebuilding this place, much like Miami in a way, to be the, the greatest culture and the greatest place possible, right, to bring, you know, championship here. You know, if not this year, he, he's probably got laser sights on, on next year. Mm-hmm. So I think he's going to approach it in, in, in culture building. In, he's going to he's going to be showtime. He's going to entertain like no end. And I think you're going to watch him. I think I think he's going to actually be a little bit more elevating his teammates in public and giving more credit in public. That's my that's my hunch. It awesome. doesn't mean he's going to be take a back seat. I just think he's going to start to be Uncle LeBron and Big Brother LeBron a little bit more than you know than the the, the dominating domineering demanding LeBron we've seen in the last four years. Oh, I think that, I think that you, you, you're partially right there with what I see. I think there's a, there is a slight chance that he just goes there and thinks, I'm not winning a title with this team. Fuck it. Yep. I'm going to try and win MVP this year. Give me one more mm. MVP. And he just plays mm. balls out for the regular season and then sees what he's got left in the tank for the plus. I actually tend to agree with you. I think he'll, he'll be more likely to take a little bit easier. And I think what LeBron's going to sit back and think, Everyone's on audition, right? So if you're a free agent going into next season, you're auditioning for the Lakers now. If you're on that roster now, you're auditioning to stay there. If you're Luke Walton as a coach, you're auditioning to stay there, okay? This is what I think LeBron's going to do. And that goes for Kawhi Leonard as well. If he doesn't get traded there, I think he's on audition. I don't think there's a, you know, there's an automatic assumption that you know, if he doesn't have a great season, if there's injuries there again, he's definitely going to go there in free agency. I think LeBron's going to, and Pelinka and, and Magic Johnson, obviously, are going well, to be very, very judicious about who they bring in and who they surround LeBron with because we've seen how teams have imploded after LeBron's left as well. And I think it's going to be about building something a bit longer term than going for a short, a short term, you know, make sure we try and win a title while LeBron's here. Well, maybe, but that's not what Magic's MO is. Magic, that's why I think the last very obvious hint that LeBron was there when Magic came out in the public and said, look, if I can't bring superstars here in the next two summers, I I shouldn't be doing this job. And I think when Magic said that a few days before Regency, that was very much for me. That's all I need to hear to go, LeBron is there. Magic doesn't say that without, right? without all of his tampering and all of his whispers and all of his conversations without knowing that. So I don't think they're, I don't think Palinka and Magic are thinking maybe compete in a couple of years. I think what we're even seeing these early moves 
say what you will about Lance Stevenson and, and KCP, but what those two have in common, rugged, rugged defenders, right? And so add, add Kawhi, right? And I'm in, I'm in the camp that the Lakers should do whatever they can to get him because take advantage of the volatility, take advantage of, you know, um, uh, the, the, the fracturedness that exists between San Antonio and Kawhi right now and do what you need to to get him there and, and bloody wreak havoc with KCP, Lance, forget those two, wreak havoc with Kawhi and LeBron against the Warriors in, you know, in the playoffs. I think, so I think, whilst I think LeBron, if your question was, if this roster stays the same, I think he pulls back and, and rests and plays 70 games and, as you said, auditions people and recruits. But I, I just don't see Magic and LeBron doing that. So I think they're going to, that's my gut, Daz. Again, you're the San Antonio guy, but my feeling is that they're going to try everything which might include having to move Ingram, Kuzma, Hart, and a future first, right, to whatever it might mean to empty the empty the roster to get Kawhi, that I think they have to do it. Yeah, but I think the, they're going to look the at it and say, look, let's let's see what we've got with these young guys. Like, you don't want to let an Ingram go in a Kawhi trade. Kawhi comes in this year. Maybe you make the Western Conference Finals and you lose – uh, and but but Ingram blows up in San Antonio, and you think you know what we could have just waited and got Kawhi in for agency. And there's going to be a lot of guys in for agency. I and mean, there's already stories out there that LeBron's talked to Kevin Durant and said, Kevin, sign your one and one, come and play with me in LA after this season. I mean, there's going to be a lot of guys on the table uh, in the coming years that LeBron can recruit and can bring in. And Kawhi's just one of those guys, and we just don't, we don't know the health situation. I think there's a lot of unknowns. I'm just not sure they're ready at the moment to say. I think they're certainly going to be looking to bring in superstars in the coming years. But I think for this season, I think they're very hesitant, and I think rightfully so, to say we're going to mortgage our future to bring in a guy that, let's be, let's be honest, has been a real head case in the last year, and how's he going to cope with the spotlight of playing in a, in a LeBron James team? I'm not. I, I would be very nervous if I'm the Lakers, giving up some of these young assets that you just don't quite know what they are yet. Um, now we're not high on them, and partially the reason I'm hoping this doesn't happen is because I'm not that interested in getting some of these guys from the Lakers. But yeah. the reality is they could develop. And and the one thing about LeBron that we've always said is guys play better. In general, there's a couple of guys that haven't handled the spotlight with LeBron, but by and large, most players have played better once LeBron's come onto a roster. And you, and you just wonder if you're going to see better out of Ingram, Kuzma, even Lonzo Ball, how is that fit going to work out? Let's wait wait a year, get LeBron into the system, let him have a year to recharge the batteries and you know have a bit of fun as a 7-8 seed, so get some experience, see who's Coopers and who's not and then go in the free agency. And if you strike out with Kawhi in free agency, there's going to be a lot of other really, really nice nice players on the market next year, and it is impossible to think that the Lakers are going to strike out uh, next year in free agency with LeBron leading the charge in, in recruitment. Yeah, I see the logic. I just, I can't, I can't see how that is a Magic Johnson and LeBron path, though. That's all. I guess the, the clock is now ticking, right? He's 34? Right, and as superhuman as he looks, I think they're going to want to try and maximize every minute of this window, and I think that's risk taking. And give, and, and to be fair, right? Think about how how um, most of the Lakers' moves have worked. 
since Magic and Palink have That's been true. there, right? Yep. Everything, right from clearing D'Angelo Russell, which was not pan, it was panned. That was a that was a ballsy call to get um, off of Mozgov by moving D'Angelo right through to um, the, the really good draft they had with Kuz and Hart, and I guess the jury's out a little bit on Lonzo. Um, the rehabilitation of Julius Randle, and he had, a, he had a really good season last year to make him at least a desirable, if not a tricky piece as an RFA, he's at least a desirable asset. And then, of course, this, you know, it's hard for me not to speculate collusion here, <laughs> but the trade, right, getting rid of Clarkson and Nance and picking up a first-rounder you know, to clear this space. They've made a lot of really good moves to leading up to this point. So I think it's now that their confidence is brimming. It's turning out exactly how... Um, Jenny Buss and Magic probably imagined it, it happening. And there's LeBron there, and it's all right. Keep turning the dial, keep keep amplifying, keep stacking, and loading loading this thing up. I also think, right, based on what's happened the last couple of days, is we might see a little bit of vulnerability in Houston. Now, um, right, granted, Chris Paul's hamstring might be the the most important reasons why they didn't make the finals this year, but that's 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 a moot point um, by this point. But losing Trevor Ariza, I think, was not a that's not losing James Harden or Chris Paul, but that's a big piece for Houston to, to, to take a loss on. Capella's out there dangling in restricted free agency, and I, I think they're, I think it's not hard to see them taking a step back or half a step back you know, next year. And so I go, why not, right? Why not the rise up and become a, you know, become a pain in the ass, right? They may not be the greatest regular season team. This could be your classic six seed, you know, 46 win, 48 win team. That is what the team that no one wants to play in the playoffs. So I think I'm kind of like, you're magic. Like, why not? Right. Oh, I think um, you've just got to be careful. You don't lock in a roster too early and you don't go, mm-hmm. let's bring Kawhi in. Let's make another move. Bring, let's say Kemba Walker in who's on the block. Get rid of your young assets. Build around <laughs> LeBron with that. And I mean, I'm just throwing names out there now. But no, no, that's I, right. But I think, why, why not, though? So I'm trying to... LeBron's 34. He's got a three- or four-year window, right? And I go, what, what, what's the... I'm just trying to think through the... Well, you the don't know what the opportunity sort of, cost is because right. who knows when, when these guys are going to be... You know, Is it going to be two, three seasons before Brandon Ingram's ready to contribute at a high level? Or is it going to be towards the end of this season he's going to be ready into next season? And then you really know what you've got. And then you've actually got an even better asset to play on the trade market and see what you can bring in. Um, I just... I wouldn't be rushing to lock in a roster around LeBron and say, that's our roster for the next three years, and then it doesn't work out, and it doesn't gel, and all of a sudden you're stuck. And I think that happened a little bit in Cleveland towards the end of the process where they'd sort of locked in this roster around LeBron, and Kyrie got upset and left, and then the rest of the pieces sort of didn't fit anymore, and they and they maybe left the title on the table when you sort of look back on it and, and look at how things played mm. out. Yeah, look, look, maybe, but I... I... Geez, that's a hard one. I think that's a bit of a. I still place this on the mishandling of David Griffin, and then therefore the mishandling of Kyrie. I think if Kyrie's happy and Kyrie's there, and they just build themselves again, the, the offensive juggernaut, right? That the, I think they bring it back, and they're a lot more credible. Um, maybe imperfect, and maybe not a winner, but a lot more credible, sustainable threat with the, with Kyrie. And a motivated Kevin Love. Well, right? and if they keep Kyrie, and even if LeBron goes, that, they're probably still favourites in the East. But, but that's why—that's exactly what I'm saying. So I go. So I, I hear you about not locking in, but I go. There's no title without Kawhi. This is just a 
it's a fun team and a fun year. And I go, if there's no Kawhi, so we know there's no Paul George, there's, there's no Kawhi, there's no title. So the big question Not is... Not this year, but there, you might get Kawhi right. in and think there's no titles ever because we did the Kawhi move. Well, and what's more likely? What's, which is more likely that they... That they regret the Kawhi trade or that they go, that's the trade we should have made. That's, that's the balancing act to me. Um, I look, it's a bit, I guess maybe that's why you value um, Ingram, how you value the assets. I don't. I go, Ingram's not a shooter. LeBron needs shooters. So that's a no-brainer for me. Kuzma had two, two or three really good months and two not very good months. And um, he was not a very heralded athlete, but fine player. So why not trade him when he's got some value? And and Lonzo, that for me, the, the, the big variable here is Lonzo with his new tournament meniscus. Um, so the big question, which not, I don't have a, I haven't heard or read anything that anyone has got a good sense on on LeBron's relationship or his point of view about Lonzo. On court, I can see how the high IQ Lonzo, a great defender, um, would be very appealing to have you know, for LeBron as a running mate. The obvious question is is the LeVar thing. Is that going to cause you know just unnecessary distraction and noise? I don't LeBron? think it's going to be. Any... Look, I'll tell you something about LeBron, and we spoke about it on the pod last year in the summer league when Lonzo was making his debut. Um, there was a big hoo-ha in the stands because LeBron James' entourage had come in uh, on his private jet just to watch Lonzo Ball play. He watched Lonzo play and then left. So LeBron's a fan of Lonzo Ball. I don't think that. I, I, I think, think so there's too. Any problem? Any issues there um, I think so too. and I just think from the lake and the last thing I'll say about this and this is really goes to the whole Kawhi saga if I'm an opposing team at the moment I'm just sitting back going why are we taking the risk on this guy and even if it's the Lakers I think there's a risk to trade for him at the moment why not say to the Spurs you take the risk you see if he comes back and plays for you you see if he's healthy show us on the court and yet Kawhi's got to show them on the court as well. And then we'll take our chances in free agency. The Lakers know they're the front runners in free agency. Other teams probably think, well, maybe we can swing a deal in free agency. But why are you giving up all these assets for a guy that at the moment is just a complete unknown quantity, despite how well he played two seasons ago? I think the mystery... So look, I hear you, and I think there's a possible that it's an unknown... I think it's a very known known, and he, <laughs> okay, the group, Donald the group, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think he knows exactly. He's, uh, I think they know exactly how healthy he is, which is probably pretty healthy, and he's ready to go if he's motivated. That's my. That's my. You know, well, that's the worry, the motivation. That's, is is he going to spit the dummy of the LeBron story? And you know, LeBron likes to throw things out there in the media. What if LeBron says, "Oh." Someone in LeBron's camp questions Kawhi's effort in Game Five of the season. Is he just going to go and take his ball and go home and cry, or go to New York and cry like he did when Tony Parker said something about him? Like, what, what's what's this guy's mindset? Right, right. So fair, fair. Could be fragile, but he's also finished what top three in the MVP race, right? So I kind of go, and he wants to be in LA. I go again. I don't know all the personal relationships between between them, but I I can't imagine LeBron not wanting you know the most again the single most rugged the best uh, the best number three in the in the game besides LeBron two way. Oh look, I think he's the second LeBron. best player in the league. 
beat behind LeBron. And I thought at 100% he was, peak, yeah, yeah, I thought he was challenging LeBron for the number one spot. Um, heading in, particularly when I looked at what he did against the Warriors in that small sample size before he he got injured, and then you come into this year and obviously forget. But but I think you got to forget the on court stuff for a moment and think about the on court stuff. And I just think this is oil and water to put a personality like Kawhi Leonard in with LeBron James. Well, what's so the question is where does the oil fit though? So if Kawhi here is the the one that doesn't fit. What sort of culture would he fit in? If not a, you know a team where he can be doesn't have to be the alpha. He can be the beta. It's an ensemble cast. He's at home surrounded by his, you know, probably his closer entourage and friends and family every day and supported by infinite, you know, infinite um, amount of funds by the, by the bus family and by a, a life legacy, an NBA legend in magic Johnson. Like if you can't, if you can't fit in that culture, then where the fuck do you fit? Then go play for, Sacramento, right? Because if he doesn't fit in San Antonio with the right with the structure and the process and the right the professionalism and the rigidity and the standards and the egalitarianism and you know putting team first above all, if he doesn't fit there, well then where does he go? I just think playing what, with LeBron is such a big personality. That's a that's a different. Well, then he can't play with Embiid because Embiid's even a more volatile personality, and he's a child. He's an infant yet. So okay, he can't play there. Um, can't play with Russ because he's too crazy. Oh, I think Russ might, with... might be a better sense in, in the sense that the there's not going to be the media spotlight with Russ. Russ, is, it's all on Russ there. Where with LeBron, there's a bit more of a collective. I think because there's a championship or bust mentality about wherever LeBron goes as well. So there there is more of a spotlight on his supporting cast to some extent. I guess I'm the, this is both the cynic and the optimist. My cynical side says that Kawhi is fine. And he just um, threw his team under the bus this year and got pissed off. Um, I've no doubt he's got some sort of quad injury, but I think he's fine. I believe Tony Parker, when he says mine's 100% or 100 times worse. I also think the optimist to me says Kawhi is hearing, he's hearing some of this. He's hearing what's happened to his reputation. He knows, right? He, he's not stupid. Um, so he would be supremely motivated to put, to shut everyone up, right? And to... Uh, with his play, and I go, what better place to do that than in a, in a play, than with under LeBron's shadow? What's the alternative, right? To come back and I can't imagine again, almost like LeBron going back to Cleveland. I can't imagine Kawhi going back to San Antonio, unless there's some mystical phlogiston elixir of life that Pop can, you know, engineer and sprinkle on him and make make the relationship healthy again. I can't imagine it. And nothing I'm hearing says suggests it can. So I mean, he's going to have to go. But the new with Stephen A. Smith, right? And I don't, it's hard to tell if how plugged in he is, or if he's just flapping the flapping his gums. He flapped today that Kawhi might sit out. Oh no! Yeah, he actually said other executives have said to him he may sit out. So people yeah, so with no you. knowledge of the thank situation. Really. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's right. that's so just me, a bit of clickbait from from Stephen A. There. Okay, so fair, but I go. Then what's the message behind that? They go is that the, the relationship is so fractured. It's he quote unquote he'd metaphorically rather sit out than to. Well, you're caught between a rock and a hard place because you're right, right. The Spurs are sitting there going, "How can we bring this guy back?" As a fan, I don't want the guy back. I, I don't ever don't. want to see the guy again. He's this is yeah. Judas to me, Darren. Yeah. Right? I do not want to see it. this guy play again. I want him out, but. Having said that, I don't want to get, you know, Dara Saris and Robert Covington back. 
And I'd rather just go, honestly, at this stage, Daz, I'd rather say to him, fuck off, sit out for the year. If you want to be a petulant child, sit out for another year, try and come back after two years and not playing basketball, and we'll just go into a rebuild and get nothing for you. Now, obviously, that's that's an extreme yeah. position. But if the choice is getting a bunch of flotsam and jetsam back and watching him go and run out in LA with LeBron, and which would make me physically ill... Or just yeah. sitting him sit out for a year and go, you want to sign there, sign there. It's going to cost you $70 million to sign that contract. So well done for playing that hand. And uh, you're going to have, have to come back after two years off. So good luck getting, <sighs> getting the ring such, rust off you for six it's months. It's such a hard situation. It is such a... <laughs> but that's the situation you, it, Spurs are in. Now, who's interested? It is. It is. Philadelphia um, were interested until LeBron signed with LA. I, course, I can't LeBron say they're interested as much there now. Yeah. And if you're, and they go, the other addition is that Philly's like, okay, now it's just us in Boston now, right? Basically, they're like, man, we maybe we don't need to take a risk and empty the cupboard on a guy like Kawan, uh, Kawhi, right? When it's, we're basically by default now with LeBron gone, we're the second best team in the conference. And so why would we gut our team? And get a guy who might not resign and might be right as you suggested. You know, well, it depends how much you think you're getting your team, I guess. We, we, if if it's Sarich, Covington, and Fultz, and and the Miami pick, let's let's say for example, Jeez, right, right. That's if still you're San a lot. Antonio, that's a pretty good haul. That's a San good Antonio. haul for San Antonio, but that's yeah. the Philly haven't been willing to go there yet. But if you do that yeah. trade in your Philly's point of view, now you got Ben Simmons, Kawhi, and Embiid. You're now the favourites to win. If you can convince the Kawhi to stay after that, you set up for actually a long run of dominance. And if Kawhi leaves, you've still got Simmons and Embiid. But the risk there really is if Fultz blows up. You know what Saric is at this stage. He's a nice player. What is he, a seventh, eighth man on a on a good good uh, yeah. contender? Robert yeah. Covington's a nice 3 and D guy, but there's a few of them around the league. I mean, he's not as good as Caldwell Pope, in my opinion, um, a guy that we've already referenced. So I don't know that they're giving up a heck of a lot there other than Fultz. That's that's the real key. And how high are they on Fultz? And I think in, you know, it's impossible to know that, that they're obviously a much better place to make that judgment about what, what his ceiling is what, than what we are um, at the moment. But that, that's the trade I guess I can see for Santana. I thought that would happen. And apparently... When they were in talks with LeBron, they were pushing to make the trade with Kawhi, but they never put faults in the, in the discussions. And what I heard too was San Antonio wanted to uh, Sarich and Covington, but three first round picks, so the Miami pick and two Philly picks, and Philly sort of balked at that, and I think rightfully so. So um, there's still a bit of back and forth. It seems like the Spurs are just holding out and saying this is what what we value him as. If you don't offer that, we're not we're not going to trade him. We'll just bring him back to training camp and see how it plays out from there. So there's there's still a, a lot to go. We might move on, Daz, from that one. You did reference the Chris Paul sign. We might go to Houston next because there's been a little bit of movement there. Um, we're going to sort of structure this where we talk about some of the bigger signings and then we might move into some of the smaller mm. ones that we liked or didn't like. Uh, I'll give my quick take on the Chris Paul sign. Look, I think these max contracts, as they come up, the Chris Paul signed a four-year contract. Uh, what was it? One hundred and fifty million, one hundred forty million, one hundred fifty-nine million, one hundred fifty-nine million for four years. Um, now, these max contracts are a poison pill, as uh, in a lot of cases, particularly mm. when you're signing it at Chris Paul's age. The first two years of this contract, I think, is going to be reasonable value, providing he can stay on the court. 
it's the last two years I'll worry about from Houston's point of view. Mm. I guess the last year is it even to say a guy's an expiring contract. Yeah, he's an expiring contract, but he's making forty million dollars. So it's not it's not like mm. an expiring contract of ten million. So I did not like this at all, but I understand why they did it. My worry for Houston is they rolled the dice last year and thought we had a chance to win a title. They did have a chance to win a title. I think that's the best chance they're going to get. I think it's the best mm-hmm. chance. Now, that's not to say they're not going to win one. You know, I think Dallas, when Dallas actually won their title, that probably wasn't the best chance they had to win a title. The degree of difficulty on that title was higher than what it may have been in years previous. Mm-hmm. But Houston's had their best chance. It's not going to be any easier in the next couple of years, particularly if LeBron starts putting together a team. The Warriors are still going to be there. Who knows who else rises in the West? What happens in the East? We've got Philly and Boston who we've talked about. What is your thoughts on, on this on this contract? I understand why Houston did it, but is this going to be a poison pill they're going to have to swallow in 2021-22? Probably, but I go that the price that's the price you pay to want to compete with the Golden State Warriors. So if you don't want to compete with Golden State, you do something different and you win 47 games and you go, we're not going to try to compete. So both things are true. So yes, it probably is going to be a disaster, could be a complete disaster in the final year um, or, or the final two years, as you're suggesting, considering his um, games played history as well, well chronicled, 74, then 61, then 58, you know, the last three years of his um, last three years he's played. But they had no – what choice did they have, right? This is a team who, in the acquisition of him, had, a, I guess we think, a wink-wink, right, because he gave up a bunch of money last year. And so this was a bit of a make good. The other thing, though, is that he did – they could have given him five years, but they didn't, right? So he's eligible for the fifth year, and he didn't get it. Um, so uh, – but again, I think he can sign another super, super max deal, <laughs> um, which he engineered himself as the head of the players' union – so this is not. This is all definitely not. This is all engineered. This is not by accident. This is the length of this deal. Um, so I'm I'm happy for Chris Paul. I think he's this is a little bit of a paying for his historical performances. He's been he's been sensational, and he had a fantastic year last year in the 58 games he played. Right, um, and well, the fantastic playoffs, playoffs mm. and the playoffs. He was he was sensational, as we talked about. Right, there was there was games he led them in the second half when James Harden was the bit of a shot maker. But Chris Paul was the leader. He was the... I think behind he LeBron, the, he was maybe the second best player in the playoffs. He might have been. He might have been. Um, so, yes. So I, so I didn't hate this one. You understand it. The competitive place where Houston's going to say, fuck it, we're going for it. We're going to try to beat Golden State. We're not going to shy away from it. And this is how they're doing it. And the implication, though, right, part of this deal is that the new owner inexplicably didn't want to match the Trevor Ariza offer. So if it, I just mm. quick jump there, then talk about the Rockets where he goes and signs a one year, 15 or 16 million, 15 million with uh, Phoenix with the, with the fucking sons. So I go, just, just ponder that for a minute. An extremely important, perfect, perfect type of player for Houston's team, a high volume three point shooter plays fantastic defense and can switch basically two through five when motivated, three through, three through five for sure, um, two through five on a good day in Trevor Ariza, signs a one-year deal to go play with one of the worst teams in the league who is stacked at small forward. He's just, something's missing from this equation. 
Well, he did shoot one for 12 in game game seven, so maybe the owner had that fresh in his mind. And and when you're in the tax, 15 million becomes 22 million or whatever it may be, you know, and I don't have yeah. the exact figures in front of me, but, you know, 15 million becomes a lot more once you're sort of pushing that's in right. that tax. So that's, then, that's an interesting question from from the owner's point of view. So that's why I'm saying you can't be all in unless you're all in. Exactly, and that's that's the point, isn't it? Yep. Why go all in with Chris Paul and be that's paying it. him $40 million in 2022 and say, but I'm not going to give $15 million to Trevor Ariza, unless there's, there's unless Maury's gone to him and said, no. I've got a plan B in free agency. I can't believe it. That he's going to cover this. I don't. The know. only way I read this because why the frick would you join Phoenix? There's something that you love about Scottsdale strip clubs or something. What is it about Phoenix that Trevor Ariza, the guy who right, was an important, important piece in the NBA's best team in the regular season, goes to play for the the dumpster fire that's Phoenix? He's got T.J. Warren, Josh Jackson, and I was going to feature Aiton. And and um, Booker, what's uh, I'm missing another small forward there. Uh, T.J. Um, Warren and uh, they got uh, Bridges uh, in the um, draft. Bridges, well. who they traded for, of course, right? <laughs> so I just go, why, why on earth? What was so attractive about that? Because my, my my sense, my gut is that the Houston offer was so insulting. He said, "Fuck it," and told his agent, "Just take the biggest deal." That's my that's my sense. I reckon Houston tried to give him a, I don't know. They probably did, I agree. They tried to lowball him. Taxpayer, mid-level, yep. And it's some $5.5 million deal or something, or two, you know, two for 12 or something so insulting, he just didn't even consider it. That's my sense. So it's hard to look at the Ariza deal other than money, which is a shame, because now you're sort of tying one of the, you know, you're just not giving this team the best chance to compete, I guess, is is the point. Yeah, and I mean that goes to the point where I think their their chance that again that lessens their chances heading into next season. So you've got Chris Paul a year older. Uh, who knows if Capella comes back? You, you're guessing they're going to match whatever anyone throws at Capella, but I'm sure there's a team out there with a poor, you talk about poison pills. This is what they're doing in restricted free agency now. You know, the front nets, load that baby exactly. Right? Someone's yeah. going to come in and front load that, and then have all sorts of little uh, hidden you know dangers in the contract <laughs> as it goes on, um, and and it's going to be very difficult. Uh, well, it's 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 going to be difficult to accept, I guess. But I'm sure they will do it to to at least bring him back. Uh, what did you make of the deal for Phoenix? I mean, I guess Aruz is a veteran presence there. We've 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 criticised that team for being too young, too dumb not wanting to win. At least this is a guy, I guess, that will give the... And Phoenix, I guess, strike me as a team now that have said, this is our core. You know, this is the team we want to move forward with. Enough of the losing. Yes, we're probably still going to get a nice draft pick next year, but we're no longer going to want to be in that top five picks. We've got Aiton. We've got Booker. We've got some reasonable players. And Jackson, we've got some reasonable players around those. This is our core we're going to move forward with now. Let's bring in some veterans and see if we can start winning some games and build a winning culture. I actually didn't mind the move for Phoenix um, from that point of view. I didn't understand it. Uh, I still, to your point about, I think LA is closer to knowing what they have with their players than Phoenix is with theirs. Whether we still got all kinds of questions about Chris and Bender and Jen Josh Jackson. Um, Phoenix doesn't have a point guard that I can even think of. They um, they didn't sign Alfred Payton. They cut Trevor, sorry, Ulis, uh, Tyler Ulis. Tyler Ulis, yeah. I, I couldn't even, I literally couldn't think of their starting point guard. Um, well, they don't have one yet. They're going to Brandon get one Knight. In, um, 
They're hoping, yeah, Brandon not maybe, but I think they'll get one in in free agency. Um, but look, there's not a heck of a lot out there either. Aiton's a rookie. Bridges is a rookie. You know, Jackson had a you know decent rookie season. He's got a long way to go. Um, you know, brand new coach again. That's why I just didn't. I didn't understand why now. Um, oh, I don't mind it because at least you're yeah. saying back your talent evaluation. Say this is this is the players now we've got. We know Booker has got some upside. We've just had the number one pick. You just don't want to be losing year after year after year and just developing bad habits. And I think we've seen that in Marcus Chris as as Exhibit A as to what happens when you just throw away season after season after season. If they come back with a terribly young roster again next year, throw away another season, there's already question marks on DeAndre Ayton's work ethic. Where's he going to be in a year's <laughs> time? You know what I mean? If yeah. they come back with another young, dumb team... That, and just throw away another season, and then who knows where you are. Yeah, I, I, that's a tricky one because I go, well, they've had Tyson Chandler and Jared Dudley there for the last two years, and that hasn't, you know, hasn't suddenly made them Mensa members. You know, there's not suddenly geniuses because you've got, you know, some some wise hands on deck because these guys need to play, right? They need to play to have an impact, and, and Dudley and Chandler barely play anymore. So I go. What's Ariza going to do? Take minutes from 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 um, from Jackson or from uh, Bridges? Well, Bridges, like, the guy they traded the Miami pick for, first round pick to get. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's just uh, you trade a first round pick to get a 21 year old, almost 22 year old rookie who plays small forward, and then what? Make a giant splash for all your cap space for a small forward who plays three and D. I just didn't understand it. You know, I could see going going after a player to help round out their roster, you know, like, I don't know who that player would be. Um, well, a point guard probably, would have made more sense, assuming there's a point guard at that range, uh, you know, on, on free agency. Which I can't even think of one at the moment. It's not a really good point guard. Well, I'll tell you one point guard who's Fred on... Van, Fred Van Vliet, Van yeah, but really... Yeah, I'm not sure him and that. Booker in the backcourt, no way. No, no. That's a terrible fit, but... um. Well, I'll tell you for yeah. a, a, a point guard who is on the free agents list as, uh, and that's Michael Carter-Williams. <laughs> and you know who he met with today? Houston Rockets. Houston Rockets. <laughs> the WTF, why the face? What? <laughs> Come on. Oh, uh, just sorry. Oh. I, I got me thinking about point guards, and I thought, I couldn't, I thought I, was, I, I couldn't believe what I was reading. It's not a mystery, well... That was almost as half as embarrassing as the Milwaukee Bucks failing to call Brandon Jennings' agent to tell him that they've uh, they've pushed back his guaranteed date. So there was a two-hour window where all of Bucks Nation flipped out because they thought they the Bucks had guaranteed a Brandon Jennings deal, a guy who was terrible in the G League. Um, so <laughs> a lot in common that my my Bucks and my sons have. Uh, well, we'll see yeah. with the Suns. I mean, I think that's that rounds out the roster. I think you're right there. I, yeah, but I, I can understand it, for, it from the point of view of the yeah, uh, I probably of the hate Metro it more presence. for a reason than I do for the Suns, to be fair. So I just don't – what? I just took the money. That's fine. But really, you were on the best team in the league and played a huge role, and now you're going to do that? I'm like, oh, didn't you Did you learn what the, what, the, what the league thinks of players like Kevin Durant who just decides, you know, I don't want to try anymore? It would, you know? <laughs> Uh, so he just, I just, uh, I didn't like it for him. I just, I love him as, I love his style. I love his play, and I just hate to see him kind of wasted up. Oh, really. look, it's a one-year payday. 
you know, if it's yeah. a difference between getting the six mil and, and going and trying to win a title yeah, again and maybe coming up short or getting 15 life changing money, and, you know, that, that, that might set it, you know, be, be a massive, oh, it'd be a massive difference in anyone's life. That's, that sort of money. But, um, he might have just said, you know what, yeah. I've, I've done this for enough. So a couple of other big contracts to talk about. Obviously, Paul George went to OKC. That didn't, that didn't overly surprise me in the end. And there were suggestions that Lakers sort of cooled on him at the last minute as well, although I think that's a little bit of after the fact, um, you know, Monday morning quarterback from, from some of the sicker fans following the Lakers these days more than anything else. I think he, I, I think OKC thought they were probably higher than they were before Roberson got injured. Um, you know, Paul George probably didn't want to leave on the 2-16 and 16 shooting performance in Game 6 against Utah. Uh, his first well, his first tweet was after he signed, he had unfinished business there. So I think they, they feel like they've got some sort of chance to be contenders in the West. I don't share that view, but I think if you get Roberson back, they're an interesting team, I think, that could certainly yeah. push into the top four in the West. And yeah, at that stage, there was no guarantee LeBron's going there. And and there's no guarantee that Paul George even wanted to play with LeBron necessarily. Um, again, like we said with Kawhi, it's a certain type of personality that wants to play um, with LeBron James. So what did you make of that move? I mean, I, I was happy for OKC at least. And I guess there's obviously machinations now around the tax they're going to pay and whether they pay, whether they buy Mello out. But... I was happy for them that they took the risk, made the trade, got Paul George in, and it would have been sad for that franchise to see another guy walk in free agency. Well, thinking about how shitty they played in the playoffs, I, <laughs> I, I am surprised in that regard, thinking back to their on-court um, you know, dry heave and just complete dysfunction, that, and just nothing worked in the playoffs, and nothing worked the whole season. So I'm, I'm surprised from a basketball standpoint. I'm not surprised from... When I hear that, it sounds like he and he and Russ bonded, right? They just they got on, they really got on brilliantly, which was that's everything, right? And that then therefore that so the the great relationship he has with Russ and admiration he has for him, mutual admiration that they have, plus the money, mm. right? That's that's let's be honest, that's a that's a big gigantic paycheck. It's now locked in, secure. He has a kid who had a horrific leg injury before, so he knows what it's like to take risk and come out. And not having anything sure in life, and so um, uh, I'm also then. I guess I'm a little bit happy for that that fan base for what they've had to endure. To be fair, yeah. Um, in, in the last few years, so um, this was looking at a potential gigantic train wreck, a disaster of a deal, giving away Oladipo um, for one year of Paul George. So also a bit of vindication for for Presti. So yeah, I guess I'm. I was a little surprised when I think about the. You know, about the basketball, but as, as stories have emerged, as you said, the tweet, etc. Um, and then maybe with the um, Carmel came out and very clearly said, look, I was completely misused. I don't know. I kind of believe that when he said that after the season, mm. he was in the wrong role and misused, which is fair enough. He probably was. I think his but best role is about 12th man on the bench. So he was absolutely misused. His best role is in a garbage team, right? <laughs> shooting 30 times a game and right hitting three game winners a year that he can, you know, tell his grandkids about. So um, I don't know if it's true or not, if they're going to buy him out um, or if they're going to wave. Well, they've got no appetite to pay a massive tax bill. And that's what they're, they're actually facing the biggest tax bill in the history of the NBA. And this is a term that wouldn't hold on to James Harden to to pay the tax because they didn't want to pay the tax. And now they're going to pay it to keep coming. I don't think so. 
So I, I can't imagine. So yeah, they, they've got to, they've got to find a way to get him off the court, right? And I don't know if he's he's probably not worth anything. Uh, so I don't know if he has any trade value um, at this point. No, he's oh, he's a salary dump at this stage. For, he's I mean, a he's, he's an expiring right. contract, but you're probably going to have to attach a first round pick. But doesn't he have yeah, a? It is no trade carryover. Do you, once you waive a no uh, trade clause, that's a good question. You always waive the no trade. I don't think you so waive it. You I think you can only be to. bought out or or waived as I waived mm. and stretched. But that's what it sounds like. Is he probably won't be back? Um, and they um, who did they add? Could he end up in LA with with LeBron, part of the banana boat? Yeah, why not? I wouldn't hate that, right? Bench, play twenty six minutes a game and shoot twenty times. I, Actually, don't I wouldn't mind that. I actually, don't mind him coming off the bench, but he doesn't have. He's a million miles away from having the humility to accept. Well, that that's yet, the though. problem, and that's what he said. I'll, I'll never come. I won't. Uh, won't come off the bench. That's you know? what I mean. So, admittedly, right. he said that to the media. Whether Billy Donovan asked him, maybe he'd have a different response. But I doubt yeah. it somehow. So, I think. But that's, yeah, so that's good, the problem. Good on the there. Thunder. They're gonna. That's gonna be a team that you, it's never gonna be an easy victory, with George Rustbrook and. I don't know why I can't pronounce Russ's name. <laughs> it's stuck in my my in my brain. And Stephen Adams and Robertson. And Adams and Robertson, and they got Jer- um, Jeremy Grant, Jeremy Grant, however you pronounce it. Jeremy back, Grant's which, back. Yep. Jeremy Grant had a really nice playoff run, didn't he? So a three-year, twenty-seven million dollar deal, pretty good, pretty good value for him. Um, so yeah, they're going to be tough. They don't have much depth, but um, yeah, maybe they can find some minimum salary guys here because I think there's going to be a lot of bargains getting up in the the next couple of weeks Daz which which we'll get to yeah yeah so the last big contract I want to talk about was DeAndre Jordan uh, going full circle and back to Dallas again Daz uh, opted out of his LA deal only signed a one year deal one year 24 million uh, which to me was yeah. a crazy overpay but I guess Dallas have got the cap space they just said well if it, that's what it costs uh, to bring him in let's do it People are saying Dallas are going to be pushing for the playoffs this year. Talk no, to this. How? No. Why? No. What? Who? Which people? <laughs> There's no people. I've heard people <laughs> after after they got Doncic and and we'll break down the draft a bit a little bit later. But after they got Doncic, oh, they could be pushing for the playoffs now. It's like no, they won't be. No, what? they won't. <laughs> and the Andre Jordan. No, they won't be. They won't be pushing for anything. Have they seen who signed with the Lakers? Have they seen? <laughs> But the number three seed, you know, you know, bringing the the team. Yeah, no, they're not. They're not. No. I hate it. Uh, this is I just don't understand it. I go. I know they wanted DeAndre three years ago, and I know that they've liked him. I know he's he's a local guy. Um, went to school in Texas, and I get all that. And I know that they don't have a center. And I know that they let Nerlens Noel rot on his, you know, in his qualifying offer last year. And I know, I know that. But I go, what? I know he's probably a pretty good pick and roll player, right? So probably one of the best pick and roll centers, and that's what they're trying to develop with with um, Dennis Smith. So I get that, but shouldn't you be tanking? Right, you just got Doncic, you got Dennis Smith, you just got Doncic. Shouldn't you be tanking? Some teams to just don't have the pick? appetite to do it, and they don't have the patience to do it. And Mark Cuban and Rick Carlisle. Don't have yeah, the appetite don't have the or the patience. And we've seen in Orlando as well. Now, look, some teams can pull it off. I mean, Houston have pulled it off. They've had two losing seasons in, what, what's it been, 30 years or something. Crazy, um, yeah. That's been crazy. They've, they've, they've not had to tank. I can't remember a season where Houston tanked. 
um, in all the years I've been following basketball. But that's very, very difficult to do. And once you once you sort of start bottoming out, you're better off just committing to it and saying, let's have two, three seasons where we're just terrible. Bring in young guys, get an identity about us, and that's what Atlanta. And, and this is the differing opinions, isn't it, Daz? You've got that's the right. Atlanta Hawks are doing, love what they're doing, and you've got what Dallas are doing. And even though I liked getting Doncic in and I liked the trade on the face of it, I don't like what the franchise do is doing overall. And I, and I think what Atlanta's doing is far higher percentage of success than what Dallas is doing at the moment. Even though I, I guess it's only a one-year deal in their defence, but how many wins does DeAndre Jordan give you in today's NBA? Well, he'll give you a few, and that's the problem, right? But I go, so maybe, Exactly, maybe not enough to move maybe. the needle, but enough to take you out of the draft conversation. Yeah, maybe it won't matter. And maybe they'll still be the, one of the five worst teams in the league, and he'll have fun. So maybe it won't matter, because I guess I'm, I did a quick look at the standards. Right? Sacramento is aiming to be probably one of the worst teams again, if not the worst team. Phoenix, I think they'll get a little bit of bump up, won't they? Memphis should get a bump, significant bump with Conley and Gasol. You'd think theoretically back, and I think Jaron Jackson can probably play. So even with DeAndre Jordan Doncic, maybe this is only a 30-win team anyway, which might still get them a top-five pick or at least in some lottery balls to to get the number one pick, right? But um, look, they're gonna they're gonna have a, the bottom's gonna be buoyed by the Bulls. The Bulls, the Nets, the Knicks, they're pretty much the bottom of the East. Knicks, Nets, Bulls, Magic, Hawks. Boy, I could probably make a case that Dallas might be better than all of them next year. But don't forget, but, but being in the West is going to be harder to win games too, so that's going to put you down there True. just True. By, by being in the in the Western Conference. They'll lose um, all their conference. But even then, and... it's like it makes even less sense then if you're going to that's lose funny. anyway. I mean, it's I just know. throwing... Uh, yeah, it's just throwing money away. So the, the good news, I don't understand. it was only one year. So I go, I don't get it. I wish they were tanking, but at least it was only one year. At least it wasn't some three-year, fifty sort of deal, right? So I go, mm. that that I can, I suppose. And again, the other factor which we can't also ignore: they know they're not going to win a title. So why not help um, help Dirk have as good of time as possible, right, in his last year or two here? And so to give him a rugged. You know, strong. Um, he's certainly not the defender he was a few years ago, but you know, someone who can rebound and clear and and just not let you know. It's just the roster with not much upside, though. The, the no, upside, where's no the upside? No. I mean, outside of Doncic and and that backcourt now, <laughs> Smith and Doncic, there's nothing, nothing else no, going on. No, there's not. There's not. So, so it was weird. It was that was Trevor Ariza was a weird signing. This one, I guess, I understood because of the connections from. I understood it from Phoenix. This is, again, the difference. Phoenix have been down there for now, what, three, four years, and they committed to a rebuild and actually ended up nearly making the playoffs by accident when Hornacek was there. So I can understand it to an extent from Phoenix. Whether, whether Ruse is the right signing to do that, or not, I don't know. But at the end of the day, um, from Dallas, they've had one bad year, and then they go in and sign one of the biggest free agents for one year, and it's just... It's a head scratcher to me. Yeah, it's um, a head scratcher. So the other the other big thing, and we spoke about this off here, Daz, was the fact that the it seems to be to, to me there's either these either max contracts being signed or these one year big deals like what we've seen fifteen mil for a reason, twenty four mil, uh, or 
there's these sort of multi-year six mil deals. I just don't, you're not going to see the multi-year ten to twelve mil deals that, that mm-hmm. the Bucks have loved so much over the past <laughs> few years anymore. I think you're going to see like what we saw with say Bellinelli two years six uh, uh, twelve mil at six million a season. Um, you know, and, and or that those one year big deals just to fill up your cap space and then still have the keep the cap flexibility moving forward. And I think a lot of teams are obviously looking to move um to move forward and keep their powder dry, as I've said, for the twenty nineteen officers. Give me a couple of deals you've liked so far in that sort of range where there's not been great money but just been a, a nice fit for a team and a couple maybe that you haven't liked. Probably less about fit and just more about um, the loving the contract and the the blend of performance and upside is Glenn Robinson the third going for a two year deal for eight point three million to the Pistons. That's a guy I had lasered and I thought that would be a perfect fit for the Bucks to come off the bench. <laughs> Glenn Robinson's only twenty four years old. He's he's long. Um, he can play some you know, play some three a bit of four. Can shoot the ball, but has had some injury problems and hasn't had quite a chance to get a good run. And so I think a 24-year-old player like that, who I still think has a bit of upside, I don't think we're looking at a guy who's going to be a 20-point-per-game scorer, but I love that sort of deal. Um, I think the second year's even team option makes it even better. And so I love Glenn Robinson at that price um, for what he can become. I think he can be a – I think he can contribute. I think that guy's a 20, 24-minute-a-game player for, for the Pistons. So I I love the Glenn Robinson the third deal. Um there's the head scratchers are many. I, I can't. Well, even... just quickly on one I liked, and, and I. Yeah, what, what one do you like? Yeah. I'm interested yeah. actually in Doug McDermott to the Pacers, uh, and mm. I think that was what was that two years, fourteen million. I'm pulling this straight off the top of my well, head. It's three and twenty-two, but maybe three. It was there. seven years, seven million a year. That's right. So, yeah. Yeah. and I think was there. I think that's a team option for the third year, unless I'm mistaken. But. Um, I just think this is a guy that theoretically has fit on so many terms and hasn't quite made it. I think this could be the perfect spot for him to land. Um, and I'm really interested to see how they fill out this roster um, as as the off-season goes on. They've got Bogdanovich coming back, Thad Young opted in. I think there's still one or two moves for this team to make. And I'm very interested to see how, how the roster fills out. But I, I did like, at least theoretically what Doug McDermott can do there. This is really his chance. I mean, if he doesn't shine in Indiana, he's never going to shine anywhere, I think. So is he is he just going to be a guy that can maybe play regular season minutes and hit a few shots in the regu- in, 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 as an eighth, ninth man? Or is he actually going to be part of a rotation that you can count on um, coming into the playoffs? And I think that's what, mm. obviously, Indiana would be would be hoping for. So but what are some of the head scratches? I mean, and you can make a comment, I guess, on that one, but and some of the head scratches um, that you've seen. Yeah, I don't know about Dougie Buckets. I thought that was maybe a little bit too rich for him. I thought it was peculiar at all that he doesn't even tender the qualifying offer, which which I thought was weird for, for a Dallas team starved of any sort of talent. And the, the guy does shoot 40% from downtown, but he's just so he's so rigid and just almost unplayable right on, on defense. Um, that I guess that's the I guess that's a bit of the you know, they must love the you know, just playing one dimensionally and hide him in a defensive you know, well, like I think that the Indiana thing's always that. been he can be the, a Kyle Corver type, and and yeah. he hasn't quite you know hit hit that standard. But Just I think that that's killer the hope. instinct, yeah. So I, I didn't. I thought they could have used their money differently. So I didn't. I didn't hate it though. I didn't. I can see what the paces are thinking there. 
Um, I can't even bring myself to talk about Ilya Salva, which um, if you ask Sam Vecini, um, Danny LaRue, uh, literally almost every pundit said that's the worst that's the worst contract of the entire offseason, which I agree with, but I can't bring myself to even talk about it. Um, the other said the other head scratcher for me was what the fuck is Portland doing? The renouncing Shabazz Napier and then signing Nick Stauskas mm. to a minimum deal. They love white guys. Nick, but what? But Nick Stauskas, what? Yeah, white guys. But he, he was he even an, a, a G League caliber player? Well, the Nets Last cut him. He couldn't get time that's with what, the Nets. That's right. So I go, what the? F- what is going on? If that's simply to save a million dollars, it is. So it's go, just that's a money saving measure. Because it's they, just, they just figured Napier's not playing enough to, to warrant what we're going to have to pay him. Let's bring in a guy that can maybe Why? play spot minutes here and there in the regular season in a blowout or something and um, you yeah. know, sit on the end of our bench for what is it, a million a season, a <sighs> million and a half? Head, head scratcher, though. Head, head scratcher what's going on in Portland. So letting, letting Napier go, letting Ed Davis go, and then signing Stauskas. And Where did Ed Davis? Has he signed anywhere? The like, Nets. Oh, I did hear the Nets, weird. yeah. That's another weird sign, given that, well, actually, Dwight Howard's not going to play there, is he? So they've, they've, they've already yeah. got sort of... I, I would have just thought big. that they're, they're set in their front court, though. Um, At 4.4 million, that's not a killer, and it's the Nets. So. Um, they actually get their draft pick next year, though, which has got to be exciting for them. Um, what about you? And what's what's your head scratcher? Well, obviously, Ilias Ava uh, jumped out at me very, very yeah. quickly. Um, I, I had a few. Head, I was I was scratching my head at some of the Lakers moves. I, I didn't I didn't get the Lance mm. Stevenson move today. To be honest, mm. that that was a bit of a a bit of a strange one to me, particularly pairing him with LeBron. Uh, Bellinelli to the Spurs. I was a bit like, <laughs> well. Why exactly are we doing this again? Um, this is a guy that wasn't really part of the rotation when the Spurs won the championship, and I understand they're not going to be a championship contender next year, but you still just wonder where's the upside in, in bringing that guy back. Um, so that that was a that, that was one where I sort of thought I, I did like um, Boston bringing Baines back. I thought, um, and there was some suggestion they may not do that. So I thought he was a, he was an important piece for them uh, as the season went on. So actually, I, d- I did like that move uh, for Boston. Yeah, cheap. As it Again, it's cheap. Two years, ten million, right? That's yeah, thirty yeah. million dollars less than the Bucks are paying John Henson. That's smart. Yeah, that's right. And uh, well, the, yeah. the other team that was interesting too was uh, Denver. So they've got Jokic come back on a full... Oh, how could we forget? Yeah, he yeah. signed the max deal and then they brought Will Barton back as well. Uh, so they're, they're sort of bringing their pieces back and they've still got some some moves to make, assuming they can get off some money and they've been pretty uh, oh, aggressive trying to get off... Be, yeah, they've been yeah. pretty aggressive trying to get off Farid's contract. And look, they, why didn't they trade Farid years ago when he actually had value is beyond me. Yeah. Um, I think they could have gotten off that contract without having to attach draft picks a couple of years ago. Yeah, but they're now they're starting. trying to... Yeah, they're, they're trying to get off him and, and uh, Wilson Chandler, obviously. Uh, and there's one other contract that's escaping me. So still moves to make. I think they're going to be one of the more active teams we're seeing uh, as as for agency goes on. But what did you make of, obviously, the Jokic-Max contract and then bringing uh, Will Barton back for that time? Look... This is a, this for me actually was almost harder than the Chris Paul deal. Like I understand, 
I understand that you probably have to do this with Jokic. Um, I know that he actually was a, they could have just, um, because he was a second round draft pick, wasn't he? I think he was. Yeah, um, well, he was either second rounder? first or second. I can't remember. Who anyway, he was under contract. Now, I think he was second rounder because his contract for this year was something like one point five million, right? So I, I get that you, you don't want to keep a you don't want to piss off a guy, but that has one hundred and fifty million dollars for a guy who played. Mm, how would you describe his defense? Non-existent, um, <clears throat> matador, um, like you know, like a. Like old Vade Divac whilst chain smoking. This is this is a guy who's not in in prime fitness, right? So I go, that's not bloody easy. I'm not joking. He is scintillating to watch, um, pass the ball and facilitate the offense. But he is equally aggravating in his ability to do anything um, uh, remotely, you know, like a six foot ten player defensively. And he is he is Kevin Love on a bad day. That's what that is not a, that's a, not a no brainer for me. The 147 million over five years. The hope, right, is that they're creating a, you know, they're creating offensive, um, offensive juggernaut in Denver, not a, this is not the Indian Pacers or, or OKC Thunder or Utah Jazz by any stretch, so that's who they are. But I, I just, I'm being redundant because it's, that for me has got to be the hardest decision I've seen, believe it or not, of all of them so far. That is, that for me was not a no-brainer. Um, and then to, double down with with no defense and doing a Barton I guess is a, play a little bit but 54 million for four years for Will Barton I thought was bloody steep and I thought he could have got him for you know three for three for 36 was my kind of hope for him maybe maybe 10 million a year if he got really lucky but man four for 54 on, on a player who's a yeah, decent three and D wing but He's a chucker and, and probably not the highest IQ player I've seen. Well, again, it's the question that. of when do you lock in your roster? When do you say this is this is the, the core of who we believe can take Jeez. us either? And it might not even be to a championship, but it just might be this is who's going to take us to the next level. And it this might be a, a four seed. For, it might be a Memphis Grizzlies type situation where your best hope is to get to a conference finals and have a, have some fun years and get some sellout crowds in. Um, and that feels like the, the limit. I mean, I love Jokic's offensive game, but I think in, in today's game, having a, def- a guy that just cannot play defense. And the only way they're going to win games is just in shootouts against teams. And I think there's just so many teams now that do that better than what they're going to be able to do. You just can't see like, where the ceiling that's is. That's right. He's basically got the Al Horford contract, and we've seen how valuable... That, that 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 type of defender at his size, right? Al Horford, similar, right? Similar offensive facilitator, similarly heady, just is also a hydra on defense. And again, I spent comparing them two, but I go, when you're paying that, that level of money, that's what you should be getting, right? LeBron James, 153 million. Chris Paul, Hall of Famer, no-brainer, right? In this category, Paul George, right? Um, when motivated, a phenomenal two-way player. So 147 million for a one-way player. And a one-way player who plays a, is a big. That is a that is bold, right? So, boy, Denver's going to be one of the more fascinating teams this year just already. Um, so I, I I didn't love those dads. Like, boy, if, if I was a Nuggets fan, I'd be I'd be fucking nervous. <laughs> that's a that's a lot of pressure to to do something um, of impact this year. What did you think of the? the sorry, I got I got one that just jumped out at me. What did you think of the? Uh, Mario Hazonia to the Knicks. <laughs> well, <laughs> is that one you were going to say too? 
No, I, I did have it in front of me there. Look, it's, I don't know uh, what to make. One year, six point five yeah. million. One, some players, I guess, yeah. some players like the bright lights of New York City. I saw, you know, Beasley at times last year. You just see, and even when Brandon Jennings was there, some players just like playing in that environment, and it always is an yeah. occasion to go out. Maybe that's going to be Zonia. I, I somehow doubt it. I just don't think he's got the the um, psychological makeup to be a top. He's yeah. a bit of a he's a bit of a Milicic, Darko Milicic type, I think. Mm. Um, just a guy that doesn't really love the game. Got to a certain level just on on pure talent. But just doesn't have the drive to to make it at a professional level the way he is. So I think he's going to tantalise a number of teams. He'll probably get another contract after this one, and then teams will realise, um, you know, he just hasn't got it. And maybe he'll go out with Darko and sit and grow wine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I think Darko might be on the farm, but uh, or something like that at the moment. Yeah, so, but he, he's yeah. a similar psychological makeup. I think I, I don't see that working. But um, look, he, he's certainly tantalising in terms of his talent. So I can understand the Knicks. That's a sort of swing for the fences they should be taking. I think as a franchise, particularly this season, because you'd, they'd, they'd be hoping that after this season, uh, Porzingis is up and about again, and maybe they can make a run in a, in a pretty weak. Uh, empathetic easy conference um, another quick couple of quick signs Aaron Gordon staying in uh, Orlando um, I thought that was probably pretty predictable let's wait and see on that the, the, we'll, we'll, I guess we'll know a bit more about that contract this time next year where we see another year of Aaron Gordon and then we can really see you yeah, know, what is this guy that was guy. a lot of money he it is, but what are they supposed to do? I mean, he's the only guy that's shown any well, any sign at all of being a star player, and you're just going to let him walk in for agency? No, it's like I think he's he's probably not going to outperform his contract, but that's again, um, yeah, four years, eighty four million, so twenty one million a year for him. I thought I thought it was it was a little high, but not crazy. Yeah, Here's a, a sneaky signing I liked as Alfred Payton to the to the Pelicans, and I'll tell you yeah. why I like it. It's it's cheap. It's Minimum. one year, right? And it is the perfect. If, if they bring Rondo back, he's almost the same. He's he's like a poor man's Rondo at this stage in his career, yes. right? It's the same sort of play. You're not you're not hurting the team in necessary by bringing him in. And if Rondo doesn't come back and wants to chase a bit more money, you can go. He, he can he can be the starting point guard in this team. So I really like that. That's a and and there's still a chance he continues to grow and who knows playing uh, under Rondo might actually help the guy next year look you can get away with that right when you got shooters like the front court that they have with AD and with Amiritich you can get away with a you know if he if he's motivated he can play some defense he's got nice size and you know he can break down he can break down the defense right he's got some burst burst to him so that's a good catch Daz I, I like that one as well I really liked I've, I'm just so pleased for the for the Pelicans and how they've, you know, we've lambasted them, right? We blasted them, um, uh, you know, this time, you know, last year and oh, yeah. even at the end of the previous season. And I just, I just, you tip your hat to them as they've they've steadied the ship and got some some players to perform. How they had the phenomenal playoff experience, blowing out the 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 stunned Blazers and. And then enduring the horrible luck of Boogie, Boogie going down and still still playing well. I like the Miritich trade. I like how Rondo performed, and Drew Holiday seemed to have his coming out party. So I'm just I'm happy for that franchise that they're you know that's a it's a clever clever under the radar move and 
yeah, I, I'm, I'm cheering for them to feel like they're the, they're like the Buck sister team, you know, destined to destroy um, the the soul of their once in a lifetime superstar, but finding a way to to keep it interesting enough to make life uh, probably pretty okay for AD at the moment. And I do so like pulling, the fact that the, the I do like the fact the Lakers are about to meet with Clint Capella, so that the the poison pill may come from Boy, the Lakers. Right, that would yeah, be very that, interesting, wouldn't it? That would be very interesting. That'd be very fun if you're LeBron. No, that, that would be fun, wouldn't it? To well, that's the type of big man you want. Yeah, if you haven't yeah, got a big is. man that's, that's right. able to shoot that outside shot, he's the perfect type of big man for the modern game, isn't he? We all play pick and roll, pick and roll, pick and roll, and Le- LeBron will be on the sitting in the corner who played the Kevin LeBron will play the Kevin Love role this year. <laughs> Just wait for the wait for the ball to get to him. Well, I think LeBron will there. play off ball a bit more this Kevin, season, yeah. Um, yeah. particularly if Lonzo stars on the roster, which it seems he will. Yeah. Last last point I'll make on Franchi, Derek Favors. Um, Actually, second to last point, Derek Favors is going to meet with Utah, or he met with Utah today, expected to sign there tomorrow. So that'll be another reasonably big name, I, I imagine, <laughs> off the market. And then uh, Boogie Cousins is probably the biggest name left out there, Daz. Is that, would that be fair to say? Um, and, and I haven't really heard a lot about Boogie. There was talk he was going to the Lakers. Um, I, I felt that may have been a backup plan if LeBron shunned them. Maybe they'd, they'd throw him a, a big offer for one or two years. Um, it, it seems more likely he's just going to stay in New Orleans at this point. I'm not sure what the market is. Um, for well, the they have not made an offer yet either, right? So I think that's a... Can use a UFA, so we'll see. Um, who else are we waiting on? Um... It's all the restricted guys at the moment. A lot of restricted guys, the yeah. Table. This is the Zach Levine, Jabari Parker, Julius Randle. Uh, that's the three big ones, I think. And Aaron Gordon was the four. I miss him. Well, apparently Jabari, Chicago are sniffing around uh, Jabari Parker, and it doesn't appear... Yeah. Yeah, who else was sniffing? It doesn't appear likely that Levine was going to go back to Chicago. I was the last I read, but again, we'll watch that. I didn't read who else was sniffing around uh, Jabari Parker, but I, I sort of felt when they signed um, Ersan Ilyasova, that was pretty much the death, death knell for, for Jabari, surely. Yep, it reduced their leverage with him. Um, Yep. That was the other thing with the Ilya Saver. Like, why do it so quick? Why? And that was the thing with Bellinelli too. Why? They were one of the first deals. Nah, and you're just like, what's, what's the years, rush? Not not for the minimum. Not Literally not bidding against anyone. He made That's $6 right. million dollars last year. So, yeah, why not let him get older? I mean, I think for the Spurs, they just... Yeah, the Spurs yeah. just probably looked around and went, we're not that interested in free agency. Let's bring back a guy we know and... You know, sit it out essentially, and and we they've obviously got bigger fish to fry to try and work out things with Kawhi. But from the Bucks' point of view, you, this is a summer they had to try and make some moves, surely, and and that was the the big one that they made right out of the gate. The, bu- the Bucks punditry, we all were saying this is a really great summer, actually, to get a whole bunch of uh, get some under the radar signings. There's so little cap money available. Right. Um, if they can free up a little bit of space and be really smart with the MLE or the biannual, you might be able to get some, you know, really undervalued assets, you know, for, for multiple years and lock them in. Like my example was, a, you know, like a, like a Glenn Robinson III. So people, younger players who've got some upside. So getting there like the quote unquote second draft. 
yep. take a chance, right? That swing for the fences, try to add, um, add some upside, you know, lift your ceiling. And Ursaniel will never lift your ceiling. And so it's a it, mind boggling in its lack of creativity or forethought or um, appreciation for the context of the league and a complete misread of, of the market and a complete misunderstanding of how this is going to unfold. I think the next two weeks, we're going to see a really lot of good players sign. Look, there's, there's bigs. We could, we can't even have to take off my, my socks to, to count, you know, my fingers and toes, how many bigs are going to be left on this market right in, in July and August. It's just absolutely mind boggling. That sort of deal. Mm. Um, that's, all, that's all I can say about it until I, yeah, I'm just, <laughs> it's just so frustrating. Well, let's, so uh, let's look back there. We might uh, just give a quick recap of the draft. It wasn't the, the most exciting draft in some ways. Uh, it sort of went the way that uh, that, that people for, thought it would go to a certain extent. I think, you know, because there, there were certainly rumours about the Doncic trade uh, and things like that before, and we knew Aiden was going to go one, etc. I mean, one of the most entertaining things was watching Adrian Wojnarowski on the ESPN broadcast apparently try and uh, tell people who they were going to pick without telling them who they were going to pick, which really yeah. um, spoiled the whole broadcast for some and, and made it quite funny for others. But what were some of your takeaways from the draft? I mean, give me give me some picks that you liked, and again, similar to the Ferengi, some picks that you didn't like, some moves that you didn't like um, on the night. Well, look, I liked the um, I liked what Dallas did. Right, I liked that Dallas was able to to move up and go get Doncic. Um, I think that was, again, just a really, just reading the market right, going up and getting a player that they knew they could get, and they did. So I loved their um, their swinging for the fences with that. Um, in John Hammond fashion down in Orlando, as dysfunctional as they are, you to see Mo Bamba uh, fits really well with the supremely long athletic type that John Hammond loves. So we got the Aaron Gordon, Mo Bamba, um, Jonathan Isaac's down there, so we've got teams not going to, they still can't create any offense, but that's a fascinating Well, and John Simmons athlete. is their starting shooting guard, so they've got John Simmons, everywhere. That's right, they do. Um, then, I guess maybe it's a little bit later in the draft, I think the um, um, we saw I guess the, I guess the flip side of the, of the Luka Doncic deal, I don't know how this will turn out, but again, I liked how you can see the clear organizational strategy of the Atlanta Hawks, where they're clearly just trying to add shooting. So getting Trey Young and Kevin Herter, Herter the you know, the shooting guard from from Maryland, and then they go and picked up um, what's his face, the Spellman, the um, uh, guy who won the national championship. So I thought Atlanta yeah, had Mary a really Spellman. nice, yeah, really smart draft. Um, and uh, yeah, look, I think look the people who were all about this, we just haven't seen enough of Michael Porter. The kid with the the really bad back injury, um, who was the number one player coming out of high school last year, then had a pretty bad injury and he barely played at all last year. And when he played, he looked terrible. Falling all the way to number fourteen to Denver of all places, right? So um, that was just a that's something to note because uh, I, I didn't, no no one really knows what to make of him. But um, used to be a number one sort of level um, talent, falling all the way to fourteen. Um, that was probably my highlights, and I guess the obvious one was the, um, I guess Aiton to Phoenix was a no-brainer, and then Sacramento being Sacramento and sticking to their guns and taking Marvin Bagley, who um, 
yeah, I guess we'll see if he's, you know, got the defensive prowess of a Brandon Ingram and Jabari Parker or he's actually got some, you know, some Jason Tatum in him. But, um, yeah, the word on Bagley is he could be a pretty skilled offensive player, but, again, doesn't, you know, doesn't really engage on, on defense. So, kind of. Yeah, yeah. I think kinda, he'll be a good know. stats bad team guy. That seems Good stats a... bad team is probably where it's headed, yeah. Look, I think that's probably a fair play. But um, yeah, that, that obviously then opened up the whole draft for the for the Doncic trade and the Atlanta to do Trey Young and the rest of it, and then nothing from there though really surprised me. Nothing, nothing too big. There's some, you know, Philly did the trade back and got Zaire Smith and got a, picked up that additional first round draft pick, which which I thought was pretty smart for for Philadelphia. So even without a um, a general manager, I like that. Um, I didn't like what I didn't like what the uh, what the Clippers did. I'm like, I liked their draft last year, but didn't like them. What they did getting Jerome Robinson this year, and then, then traded again, trading away from Bridges. So wasn't a big fan of what the Clippers did. But there wasn't really, as, as you said, in your head, in your sort of your headline, there was nothing that really. It's kind of dull, wasn't it? Yeah, it's hard to go out on the limb, is there, and go, oh, I hated yeah. this move, I love this yeah. move. I mean, you and I were going back and forth, and I'll, I'll get into that in a minute on the Spurs Bucks. Back to back picks, but really, that's a bit mm. of an A reaction when you're looking at 17, 18. You yeah. know, draft. I love what uh, Atlanta did because at least you've now got this is our identity, this is the team we're trying to build, and they went and got the two best shooters in the draft. Love that, and and I love the the move for Dallas. I thought that was a win win trade. I mean, even no matter how it turns out from here, I think it's a win win trade just from the point of view. Of, I think they do, did the right thing, and sometimes you can get the wrong results from the yeah. right processes. And the, to me, that seemed like the right process. Um, uh, Mo Bumble will wait and see. I mean, it's certainly theoretically going to be interesting to see what happens in Orlando uh, next year. Uh, Michael Porter was obviously the most fascinating guy because. Uh, similar to Harry Giles in the sense it, it figures that he's going to probably have a red shirt year and That's then right. we might see him and apparently Harry Giles looking good so a good reports coming out of Sacramento so fingers crossed there and that mm. might be a good portent um, for what Michael Porter is able to do and if he's able to hit his ceiling does Jude Denver are set up nicely now um, when you look at uh, what they've got what they've built yeah. a couple of later picks I liked I think there's going to be some good guys that were picked up in the middle um, of, of this draft that we look back on. I like a Kogi. I like what Minnesota did. I think they got two guys that are ready to play right now in the first and the second round. And you know I was high on um, Kuda Bates Diop, who they picked up with number 48 pick, and he was actually mocked to go in the 20s, um, most mock drafts that I saw. Their problem is they've got Tom Thibodeau there who doesn't necessarily play rookies. But if he is, for the first time in his career, going to actually extend his roster out and play some rookies, I think they've picked up two guys that are absolutely ready to play there. And the last one I'll point out is Grayson Allen. He he come in with a bit of a bad rep about tripping players and, and carrying along a bit of a dick, to put it mildly, a duke. But he's landing in a good spot there in Utah. We've seen last year they're not afraid to play rookies and actually give rookies some um, some responsibility. I think he's a guy that may, you may see a bit more of than what you might expect um, coming into next year. So, And the other player that I think was interesting was, was Robert Williams at 27. Seemed to land the perfect spot there at Boston and then uh, overslept the next <laughs> morning and he since also missed his flight to the Summer League, does. So not off... 
to the greatest start um, at Boston. Robert Williams, who had some off-court problems, which was why he dropped so far in the draft. So Danny Age, not quite looking like such a genius, but it is early days there. Um, and, and theoretically, at least, he fits what that roster's trying to do. So Let's just hope that's a sign of things to come, Dennis. That's, we'll wait that's and see. Like... <laughs> yeah. Now, the one team that we didn't look actually, let's just go right back to the start, and then I want to actually finish off with our our Buck Spurs draft moment. But um, the last thing we didn't even talk about the Cleveland Cavaliers in all this about the Bron James. They, they're so irrelevant nowadays. We didn't even mention them. Oh, I love that. Did they just, have a team? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Now, what what happens with them next year? I mean, should they say, you know what? Get rid of Kevin Love. Get off salary because they're still over the tax, by the way. Even with yeah. LeBron not signing, yeah, should they counter. just be looking to get off salary? Trade Kevin Love. Trade every asset they got. Bottom out as quickly as you possibly can. Or should they just say, you know what? Let's see if we can trade for another decent player. It's a pretty weak conference. Let's see if we can make a run at the six or seven seat. Well, I mean, I think the. the I don't think there's anyone who would push back and saying they should try to sell off the few parts that they have, right? I think Kevin Love still has trade value. Um, he's on a pretty, that's on an awful contract. No, that's a million, contract. Yep. 24 million this year, 25, 25 and 26 in that range. You got two years left. Um, look, I think the, it's interesting to see what they'll do with Rodney Hood. That's the other one. He's a restricted free agent. Yep. Um, he's been enigmatic. Obviously, he was had an um, infamous sort of playoff run and sort of got relegated to the doghouse and had one sort of shining moment. So I think that'd be interesting. But, um, yeah, like, there's no way you can even conceive that team. That's not a 500 team at all. Even with even with Kevin Love, that's not a 500 team. Even in the East, that's a uh, maybe 38 and 44, maybe. Um well, that's the thing. So, Do they uh, have any assets on that roster outside of Kevin Love where they could maybe go to a Charlotte and say, give us Kemba Walker for Colin Sexton and Clarkson and a pick? Yeah, but no, they wouldn't do that. I think that they, this the Sexton, this pick, for this, that's what, basically what they have left of the Kyrie trade, right? Which is probably more depressing than LeBron leaving, which is in, in some ways I can just sort of tell that's been... It's been met with full acceptance, and even Dan Gilbert's letter. If you have you read Dan Gilbert's letter, oh, I did. I thought very, it was a classy letter. A was, very nice letter. It was a, very, yeah, it was a bit nice different letter. than the reception he it got was a bit last different. time yeah. he left. It was gracious and thankful, and it gave basically called out LeBron single handedly for for bringing the title back in, for single handedly taking him to the finals the last four years, and so it was a really, it was a really nice letter. So hopefully that's a bit of closure in in that regard. So no, they don't have assets that are very. Very attractive. So I don't know what Zizic is. Um, Chetty Osman, can he still be a player? I don't no, know. No. Larry Nance is pretty young. So he's, he's you know he's destined to be a 15 minute a game, you know, role player. Um, Hood can, has had so many chances and just never has stepped up. He's just sort of feels like a just a perennial underachieving disappointment. He feels like his teammate Jeff Green. It feels like he's a left handed Jeff Green. You know, great athlete, amazing NBA body, just. Just doesn't have the you know the temperament to, to do it. So, no, that's a pretty dreadful team, Daz. Um, so, Love would have trade value. Um, who would have trade value that wouldn't be a salary dump? Would is George Hill at twenty million dollars a year? Nineteen? No, that's not valuable. Uh, Kyle Korver, 
You could get a future protected second for him. Yeah. Is he mm. slowing down? Tristan mm. Thompson may be a bad money swap for bad money. You know? But no, they, they, they don't have anything. So I go, you, they don't really have any choice but to, to dump love and to bottom out. I just don't see another path, really. And that's not a criticism. I just, there's no other path. No, that, I think you're right. I think if it's if it's the difference between trying to be a quasi playoff contender, I think the road's much harder to that than what it is to just say, let's be one of the bottom teams in the league and see if our lottery luck comes back again. Um, we get another couple of horseshoes drop out of our backside and pick up another couple of number one picks. <laughs> you know, in the next few yeah. years, I think I think that's a, that's a much easier path. Than to say, let's try and trade and get someone in, and then you know, Ravi Rodney Hood blows up, and this is the year he finally gets it, and things like that. I just don't see that happening. So I think you're yeah. right. I think, I think it's going to be a, a depressing uh, season ahead. But look, they've had some good years, obviously with LeBron, and um, it, it was a classy way to end from from Dan Gill, but uh, to call yeah. out LeBron in that manner. Let me just finish, Daz. I want to I want to take the the listeners back to our uh, to draft day. And uh, we're hoping to actually do a live pod on draft day because of my internet issues. That didn't happen. So I rang you uh, probably about a minute or so, I think probably two minutes before the pick. And the, the Phoenix trade had just dropped, which you weren't overly happy with. So that was one dumb move by your, um, one, your second favourite team in your Western Conference team. Uh, and then straight away you were like, oh, Daz, Lonnie Walker's dropped to us. <laughs> I'm so excited. And you were sort of talking about, I think, Lonnie Walker. You were talking about Akobu, the French kid, and who Her- are Josh Akoji, and um, Kevin Herter. But That's yeah, right. I think Lonnie yep. Walker felt like the, kind of a no-brainer. That um, was a no-brainer pick. And then uh, I saw from Shams that uh, they didn't take that they didn't actually take Lonnie Walker. And then uh, I think it took you about five or six guesses before you finally said, "Oh." <laughs> not not Vincenzo. please. What did you make? Is of there, that? Is there a question in there, Dad? Is it just a is this just a knife grinding exercise? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, to say the least, right? The um um the drafting of Dante DiVincenzo, uh, the sixth man on a college team, um, didn't inspire a lot of um, confidence in in Bucks Nation. Um, Here's Mostly. the defense I'll make of the pick just quickly before you, yeah. you can go off. Yeah. The, this is a team that's whiffed completely on their last two first-round picks. Because I, I, I hated the pick at the time, and I still don't like it now. But at least this is not going to be a whiff. I think this guy's going to be a contributor to, at some level in the NBA. There's just no upside there. I just think he's a he's that's a it. better shooting Deliver sure. Dover. That's right. Yeah, he'll be so, a contributor. That's what, that's what the second round is for. But they traded their second round pick to get Tyler Zeller, who they're probably going to have to cut to make room for Ursan Yelisova. <laughs> so you see, you see the magic which happening here, Daz, to my, to my incompetent, um, my incompetent franchise. So just what you said, and you try to get a, you know, a, a flawed player who, um, you know, he's got tiny arms, is a sixth man guy in college. Um, who, yeah, he's got some athleticism. He can jump pretty high, but it's, you know, there's a difference between jumping high and touching a, you know, touching a bracket in a gym and, you know, being able to finish in traffic in the NBA against the best athletes in the world, right? 
So I think Dante DiVincenzo has, you know, empty gym athleticism. Um, he's, he mm-hmm. watches highlight reels. He's not one who can really, he has lots of scoop moves and sort of shovel plays for a guy who's 6'4", 6'5", and he just is not a, he just doesn't have the length or the explosion or the strength to, to finish near the rim. So that athleticism is a bit, yeah, that helps you get up a shot over point guards and then, then, it's, then it's something. So um, a hugely uninspiring pick with, with very little upside for an older player who um, right had one decent season in his three years in college and a redshirt freshman year. So he's, he was there for four years. It's a, it was a pretty depressing um, situation. There are some in Bucks land who, um, and actually not, it wasn't hated by everyone. But again, was Skip Bayless' favorite pick? Skip Bayless loved it. Kevin O'Connor loved it, and I think CBS was the other one who gave it a, a flat A, right? With the the theory, and right? I go, this is the theory. That's the only reason I haven't jumped off the ledge is that um, is that he he has one skill that literally none of the other Bucks have. Do you know what that skill is, Daz? What what what's the one thing in theory? What he what, can do? He can shoot off the dribble. Oh, shoot off yep. the dribble. Okay. So off the bounce, run, yep. bring the ball up the court, bang, pull up from three. And so that's not a skill. Brogdon can eh, kind of do it, but he doesn't scare anybody. Bledsoe certainly can't. Um, Delhi certainly can't. Tony Snell is purely catch and shoot. Yep. He can occasionally attack a closeout, but he's pure catch and shoot. Mirza, when he played, was pure catch and shoot. Well, he could do a little bit of floating in space, but that's the theory. So he can play actually the a point guard type of role, that combo role, with the ball in his hands and and pull up um, off the bounce. And so that's the, the silver, not the silver lining, the glass um, half-full argument is that he at least has an NBA skill that the, none of the other Bucks on the current roster have. And I'm kind of shrugging my shoulders. That's the best I got, right? Um, I've, I've come off the ledge um, because I probably do you, what you said in your intro. We're talking this number 17 pick here, right? So the chances of this being someone who's an all-star is probably pretty low anyway. But, um, yeah, to watch Lonnie Walker go immediately after, it was almost like the perfect the perfect script, wasn't it, where the, the fledgling, fumbling, idiots uh, the the kings of the north and i mean the sacramento kings of the north bucks have the wick right before san antonio and san antonio used what 30 seconds of their draft clock before they put that pick in well um, san antonio said they had long and take this as a grain of salt if you like but they said they had lonnie walker ranked eight on their board and sure. they just said they didn't bring him in for workouts because they honestly didn't think he would he was going to be there when they were it picking be around Yep. So they literally was, had the pick handed in. You're 100% right. As soon as the Bucks had it, they had their pick handed in. Like it was in th- within 30 seconds. Yeah. To make matters worse, right? There was um, players who were trying to get up to get um, to get Herder, right? Or um, or to get Lonnie Walker. So the Bucks had a deal in place with, with Atlanta and one with uh, secondarily with Indiana. But we were told because Wojnarowski and um, couldn't keep his mouth shut. Stuff got tweeted out, and or, they didn't do you know, it. That's right, and they didn't do it. Well, I think the Atlanta heard they were going to pick the white guy who could shoot, and thought there's only one of them left, and that's her, um, her That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> he was so far down Atlanta's board. They pulled, they pulled the deal. That's right. So they pulled the deal um, on that, so that made it even that even made it more spectacular. So, 
I think it was more common. It was more the, as, as I learned about this, it was more about the media um, and getting leaked more than it was about the Bucks draft room. So the early, yeah. the early narrative was that the Bucks you know, had leaky lips, um, right? And sort of getting, getting loose lips, sorry, leaky ships, loose lips. That's the <laughs> phrase, something like that. And, um, but at least it wasn't a, again, a, cr- a criminal sort of a misstep by the, the front office. It was just leaked by fucking um, the, the media. I mean, I think the thing, the final thing I'd say for the Bucks is you look at the six players taken after that, and I think it's fair to say three of them are going to be probably substantially better than DiVincenzo, and three of them are likely going to be complete busts who flame out and DiVincenzo will be substantially better than them. Because I, th- I think he'll have an NBA career. And maybe they looked at it and said, look, let's not worry about all the things he can't do. Let's just worry about what he does do well and make sure he brings that to the table because that's something the team needs. So I guess we, we give the Bucks a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. But it was certainly not a, not a pick that would have inspired any Bucks fans and it gave me no. um, some really good comic relief. It was my favourite draft could, moment since we traded for I couldn't, but I mean, if to be in your shoes, you just, I could probably tell the tears running down your eyes as you're, you're listening to my, my face melt on the other side of the phone. And then as there, as I'm just inconsolably, you know, pulling my hair out, they're then showing the, the Dante DiVincenzo NBA comp as Tyler Johnson. And I just thought, is you have got to be kidding me. You couldn't have scripted this any better. And who was Lonnie Walker's did, comp? Do you remember? Dwayne Wade. <laughs> oh, Dwayne was... Wade. That's, that's not, um, this literally happened in real time. And so this was so awful for me. I stopped. That was, I literally, I just calmly put my, you know, put my laptop away. Um, and <laughs> that was it. I was done. I didn't tune in. I picked up a book or whatever I was doing. Did put up on a couple annual reports I needed to read or something like that, and that was. I literally didn't tune back into the draft. I was so upset. <laughs> so I've come off the ledge, but it's, oh, it was I, a I great. Tell you what, I'm actually, yeah. All right, Des. We'll leave it okay, there, buddy. mate. We'll leave it there for this week, and we'll, as I said, we'll see where we end up um, in in the coming week with free agency. Um, but we'll try and talk again next week, and we might have some summer league action to digest as well. Okay, buddy. Thank you. See you. Bye. Bye.